Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. I am your host, Carrie Parker, and we've got a news show this week. I want to catch you up on some things that are going on, things that I think you should be aware of. Uh, we've got a new government-sponsored spyware that has been found in some everyday apps on the Google Play Store. I'm going to talk about an app called WinRAR. Uh, if you've heard of it, then this is important for you. If you haven't, then it's not so much important. But uh, it's an interesting kind of a case study and um, uh, a new kind of an attack vector, so uh, every, everyone should listen anyway. We're talking about a CIA porn scam. Of course, spoiler alert, it's not really the CIA. It's a scam. Uh, we'll talk about that and other things like that. Uh, yet another case where data from millions and millions of Facebook users was found lying around for anybody to pick up on Amazon servers. Uh, not good, but not unfortunately uncommon. Uh, and we're going to talk about how Asus computers recently were targeted by some very interesting malware. So if you have an Asus computer, you might definitely want to listen up. But again, we're also talking in general about how this is sort of a new thing. It's called a supply chain attack. Well, it's not new, but it's uh, becoming more popular. So I'll talk about what that is all about. And finally, we're going to talk about a new VPN from Cloudflare called Warp. Um, it's actually not quite available, um, but there is another app that I'm going to tell you about that you can get now that will kind of lead the way to the other app. And it's really kind of interesting stuff. So uh, we'll talk about that at the end. That will be our tip of the week. Also, we're talking about another interview we've got coming up. It'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the next uh, next show, if not very soon. And that'll do it. That'll be our show today. So without any further ado, let's get into the news of the week. All right, first up, let's talk about an article I saw in Naked Security. Again, it's a blog by Sophos. It's a really nice blog. It does a really good job of explaining stuff in term, in ways that uh, most anybody can understand. So you might want to check that one out. It's a great blog. Uh, but if not, I'll bring, I'll bring you the big stories here. And it was about some government spyware. And you recall from the Snowden revelations and, and some of the things that followed the, uh, the NSA and the CIA and some of the folks, NSA in particular, and, uh, for Snowden, had some of their really cool super secret spyware get loose and it was uh, been found in other places after it got loose after it was kind of escaped the NSA the hackers got a hold of it and spread it around and we started seeing uh, instances of it or things very very much like it being used by bad guys you know of course you could argue with <laughs> Whether or not the NSA or the CIA is the quote-unquote good guys or bad guys, it's kind of a gray area, I'm sure, in some cases. But uh, uh, anyway, I guess the point being that, you know, that our governments create these tools, and if they're not careful, those tools get out and can be used right back against us. Uh, anyway, that's not quite the case here, but um, we have seen that we have seen that happen. But let me read a little bit from this article from Naked Security about a particular case that happened recently. It says, we've seen malicious government cyber weapons leaked out of the National Security Agency, NSA, and injected via ransomware. But security researchers recently found government spyware squatting in plain sight, pretending to be harmless vanilla apps on Google's Play Store. This time around, the malware doesn't come from the NSA. Rather, it allegedly comes from the Italian government, which apparently purchased it from a company that sells surveillance cameras. It was discovered in a joint investigation carried out by Motherboard and researchers from Security Without Borders, a non profit that often investigates threats against dissidents and human rights defenders. Security Without Borders published a technical report on their findings on Friday. And I guess by the time you hear this, that would have been last Friday, I think, uh, two, two Fridays ago. Anyway, it says, we identified previously unknown spyware apps being successfully uploaded on Google Play Store multiple times over the course of over two years. These apps would remain available on the Play Store for months and would eventually be re-uploaded. 
end quote. Uh, they're calling the malware Exodus after the name of the command and control servers the app's connected to. Exodus works in two stages, Exodus 1 and Exodus 2. The first stage works as a decoy. The malware poses as harmless apps that do things like receive promotions and marketing offers from local Italian cell phone providers or that claim to improve the device's performance. But the first stage also loads and executes a payload of secondary programs, Exodus 2, that handle data collection and exfiltration. Exfiltration means pulling out. Uh, there's a laundry list of data that Exodus 2 snorts up and sends back to its command and control servers, apparently including installed apps, browsing history, contact lists from numerous apps, text messages, location data, plus app and Wi-Fi passwords. The report says that Exodus 2 can activate the camera and the microphone to capture both audio and video, as well as take screenshots of apps as they're used. Unfortunately, this is just the latest in a long string of rotten apples spoiling the Google Play Store barrel. The force field keeping Google Play Store pure and pollutant-free has had holes poked in it before. In February 2018, Google announced that just in the previous year alone, it had removed 700,000 bad apps and stopped 100,000 bad app developers from sharing their nastyware on the Google Play Store. This recent Italian spyware case shows yet again that you don't have to be much of an evil genius of an app developer to get past Google's filters. As Motherboard reports, more than 20 malicious apps in the Exodus family went unnoticed by Google over the course of roughly two years. Google confirmed to Security Without Borders that it removed all of the Exodus apps. Google said that most of the apps collected a few dozen installations each, uh, though one of them reached over 350. All of the downloads happened in Italy. Okay, so that's the article from Naked Security. So you can see that, actually, when you get to the numbers, it doesn't look like it affected too many people, which is good. But there are two key takeaways here. One is that this software was bought from somebody. There was some company creating spyware, basically, and sold it to a government actor, and that government actor somehow let it loose. Um, it doesn't have to be malicious. It could just be incompetence. Um, but, you know, when you create tools like this, they can be used for nefarious purposes by other people. You know, even if you assume that the government who bought it was doing it for the right reasons, you know, if you're not careful, and they weren't, apparently, uh, allegedly, <laughs> the, uh, the software gets in the hands of bad guys and they, you know, it's really easy to reuse these kind of things once you get a hold of them. Somebody does the hard work of writing that software, but once the hard work is done, someone else is very easy to copy that and use it somewhere else. So that's what happened here. And some bad guys shoved this into some regular, plain old, everyday looking apps on the Google Play Store. It somehow got past Google's screening procedures uh, and showed up in the Play Store. And someone thought, oh, that's a cool app. Let me try that. And then unfortunately, they downloaded this app that um, eventually downloaded a second, more malicious part to that app and basically hoovered up a whole bunch of information on these people. So, you know, the, again, the takeaway is A, when you create this stuff, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to keep it to yourself. You know, these things have a way of getting out. They want to be free. And so it's not surprising that these really amazing, super cool hacker tools that we might use against bad guys, uh, get loose and end up being turned against us. So part two, just because something is on the Google play store. And I will admit, even on the Apple play store, uh, these guys try very hard, Google and Apple to, to, to vet these apps and put them through all sorts of te tests to make sure they don't do anything. But like in this case, the app, the, the, the really malicious part came later. The, the, the original app was kind of a shoehorn, I might call it Trojan, uh, to get in the door. And then once it's in the door, it then downloaded the more malicious part later. Um, 
which you know probably goes through a different screening process or maybe not get screened at all. I don't know. Um, so, you know, what do you take away from that? Well, don't install apps for the heck of it. Um, if you're just thinking, oh, that could be fine. Let me try that out. You know, make sure it's from a really vetted source. Make sure it's a big name. Make sure it's got, you know, uh, reviews don't really help in this case because no one's reviewing it for security purposes or even privacy purposes, probably. Um, you know, but be careful what permissions you give it and, you know, don't just install stuff for the heck of it because that must be free for the day or, or whatever. And if you've got a whole bunch of those cluttering up your phone, get rid of them, take them off. Um, every one of those things is a potential security hole. So, you know, only download the apps that you need. All right, next up, there's a program that if you're on Windows and you've ever downloaded some really big files that you may know of, it's called WinRAR, W-I-N for Windows and R-A-R. Oh gosh, that stands for something. <laughs> I can't remember. Um, but actually it deals with things called RAR files and it's some sort of archive. So the R is something, something archive, R-A-R. Um, and you know, it kind of takes these really big files and splits them up into chunks and lets you kind of download these chunks from multiple locations uh, and, and and can allow you to piece together really big files uh, when you might not be able to get all the pieces in one place. You might be able to get them from various places and kind of piece together something. And then it kind of it's a collage that it kind of puts all back together into one big file. Uh, it's not surprising that maybe that a lot of times this is used for download software or illegal movies or things like that, but it's a you know, perfectly legitimate reasons for it as well. Um, but the key thing here is that WinRAR is something that does, it's really old. It goes way back. I mean, it might be, gosh, maybe 20 years old or more. Um, it's very popular. It's been used as an unarchiving tool on Windows for a long, long time. I believe it's free and supported by some organization organization that's just fine. They're doing great work and you know, they're giving away for free. That's nice. Um, but in this particular case, there was a very old format. And this is kind of, you know, WinRAR is kind of one of these utility Swiss Army knife kind of programs that handles all sorts of different file types, you know, zip files and RAR files and you know, all these other kind of archive files. Um, well, one of them was called ACE, an ACE file, A-C-E, a dot A-C-E file. And it's some really old, obscure format that, you know, they at some point decided, eh, sure, why don't we open that one too? And it hasn't changed in a very, very long time. But somebody figured out a bug in the program and the way that ACE files are um, encrypted. It's not really encrypted in the, in the way that they're encoded uh, and, and figured out a way to decode them in a, such a way that will actually let them compromise your computer. So they, if they send you a file that's an ACE format and you use WinRAR, the older version of WinRAR to unpack it, uh, you could be hacked. I mean, like really hacked, <laughs> like complete control of your computer hacked. So uh, it's a really bad exploit. They have fixed it. So if, if you are the kind of person that does this and you've got, or if you once were and you've got the WinRAR program, uh, since it does not have a built-in update mechanism, it's so old, it doesn't have the kind of thing where you can check the box and say, check for updates and keep me up to date and warn me when there's new versions. Uh, and maybe they'll finally add that. Um, but because of that, there's really no way to know uh, that there was a problem. Uh, unless you registered, if you, if you, I don't know if you had to buy a copy to register or not, but if you registered with WinRAR, then you should have gotten an email about this from them, which is great. But if you didn't, which a lot of people don't, especially with free software, then you probably had no clue. So, um, first takeaway, if you have WinRAR, you know, find it on your system somewhere. If you have it, make sure you've got version 5.70 or higher. Um, so just do an update, make sure you get the latest version of WinRAR, or if you don't use it, just delete it. Um, but the other takeaway in general for everybody uh, whether you use WinRAR or not, is 
you've got to keep your apps up to date. And if it's a really old app and it doesn't have a built-in mechanism for checking for updates for itself, um, you can also maybe register your software. Then at least then they've got your email address. And if they know, and if they're responsible, um, you know, uh, companies and they find or become aware of a bug, they can at least let you know that there was a problem. So, you know, to go download a newer version. So that's my recommendation coming out of that. Okay, next up, and this is from Bleeping Computer. I'm going to read you from an article. Uh, read from an article on Bleeping Computer. Another great, uh, another great blog. Uh, they're big on ransomware, but they're just malware in general. They've done some great reporting, and we've actually talked to Lawrence Abrams from Bleeping Computer on the show. I'd love to get him back. Uh, anyway, the latest thing is it's a porn scam, and if it's a scareware tactic where uh, somehow they manage to send you an email or or pop up something on your computer. Uh, to convince you that, hey, we've been spying on you and we see that you've done something illegal. Uh, but, you know, hey, tell you what, um, I'm in a position to make that go away. If you send me some money, send me some Bitcoin, we'll just uh, we'll just take you off our list. And that's what happened here. So let me, let me read you this article from Bleeping Computer. A new variant of the CIA porn investigation emails are now putting the extortion payment instructions in password-protected PDF files. Last month, we covered how the CIA extortion scam variant had started to become widely distributed. These scam emails pretend to be from a CIA technical collection offer. Offer? I think they mean officer. Uh, collection off officer who states that your name is part of an investigation into underage pornography. For a fee, though, they will be willing to wipe your information from the case files. This latest variant is now utilizing password-protected PDF attachments and have an email subject of... Uh, your email has been verified by a central intelligence agency case 55662513 blah 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 your family counts on uh, your family counts on your intelligence included in the email is the password for the attached pdf file and i'm just going to read you from this email so even if you have not gotten this email it's important to kind of listen to this and just understand that this is what these kind of scams look like they sound very official they sound really scary so I'm going to read you the email, and then I'm going to read you the contents of the PDF file, so you get it, kind of a flavor of what these things look like. Okay, so this is what the this is what the email said. It starts off case number five five six six two five one three, distribution and storage of pornographic electronic materials involving underage children. My name is Braylon Mentink, and I'm a technical collection officer working for Central Intelligence Agency. It has come to my attention that your personal details, including your email address, and they list it in there, which of course is no surprise, they have your email address. That's how you got this. Uh, including your email address are listed in case, blah, 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 the case number. The following details are listed in the document's attachment. Your personal address, home address, work address, list of relatives, and their contact information. Case 55662513 is part of a large international operation set to arrest more than 2,000 individuals suspected of pedophilia in 27 countries. The data which could be used to acquire your personal information, your ISP web browsing history, DNS queries, history and, con and connection logs, deep web dot onion browsing and or connection sharing, online chat room logs, social media activity log. The first arrests are scheduled for April 19th, 2019. And of course, if you'd just gotten this email, that'd be like, oh my God, that's like a couple weeks away. And it finishes up important password for the PDF file at PDF-2019, which is a crappy password. <laughs> anyway, in regards, Braylon Mentic. And then if you open up that PDF, here's what it says inside. It says, why am I contacting you? I read the documentation and I know you are a wealthy person who may be concerned about reputation. I'm one of several. I'm one of several people who have access to these documents, and I have enough security clearance to amend and remove the details from the case. 
Here is my proposition. Transfer exactly 5,000 US dollars, which is about 1.4 bitcoins, through Bitcoin network to this special Bitcoin address, and it leaves this long Bitcoin address. You can transfer funds with online Bitcoin exchanges such as Coinbase, Bitstamp, and, and yada, yada, yada. Don't worry about that. The deadline is March 27th, 2019. I need a few days to access and edit the files. Upon confirming your transfer, I will take care of all the files linked to you, and you can rest assured no one will bother you. Please do not contact me. I will contact you and confirm only when I see the valid transfer. And that signed off technical collection officer, director of science and technology, central intelligence agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can, you know, often when you get these kind of scams, the, the English is really poor and you can see the grammar's bad and the things like that. And you're like, oh, okay, that's probably not real. This one actually sounded pretty real. And of course it's very scary, right? I mean, even if you're not the kind of person that looks to look on, looks at online porn and you know, no judgments, but you know, if you're like, oh my God, did I happen to click on the wrong link? And now they think that I'm, you know, this or someone trying to frame me or you know whatever no so <laughs> let me finish the article and then uh it kind of wraps up the way i would wrap it up it says it goes without saying that if you receive one of these emails you should immediately mark it as spam and delete it is important to stress that no matter how scary these emails may appear they are just scams numerous people have reported receiving them the cia is not investigating you and you should not make any payments to the listed bitcoin addresses just remember these emails are nothing to worry about so, yes, I would echo that statement. And the, that's the whole reason I brought this story up, is to realize that these scams are out there. There are other flavors of these things that are not all porn-based. Uh, there are various ways they try to scare you. Um, and, you know, whenever they kind of give you these things, that, especially when there's deadlines and Bitcoin payments, and, I mean, the CIA is, even a, even a rogue CIA, CIA person is not going to contact you to look for $5,000 in Bitcoin. Um, so... You know, just recognize these things for what they are. Um, if if you actually go looking in your spam folder right now, you'll probably see a bunch of these things in there because they're marked as spam, and luckily you never even had a chance to see them. So um, I've found I've found similar stuff in my spam box. So uh, hopefully your spam filter, whatever email service you're using, is good enough to catch these things and you never see them. But if you do, uh, or if somebody you know does, uh, talk them off the ledge. Just tell them you know it's it's a scam. Mark it, delete it. Don't worry about it. All right. Next up, a short story about. Yet another case where millions and millions of Facebook users' data have been found online. This time, it doesn't appear that it's Facebook's fault. Um, uh, but let me read you a little short snippet from Bloomberg. And it says, Facebook Incorporated user data is still showing up in places it shouldn't. Researchers at UpGuard, a security firm, found troves of user information hiding in plain sight, inadvertently posted publicly on Amazon.com Incorporated's cloud computing servers. The discovery shows that a year after the Cambridge Analytica scandal exposed how unsecure and widely disseminated Facebook users' information is online, companies that control information at every step still haven't done enough to seal up private data. In one instance, Mexico City-based digital platform Cultura Collectiva openly stored 540 million records on Facebook users, including identification numbers, comments, reactions, and account names. The records were accessible and downloadable for anyone who could find them online. The database was closed on Wednesday after Bloomberg alerted Facebook to the problem and Facebook contacted Amazon. So the article goes on, but it, uh, that's all we need to know. So there's two, well, there's multiple issues here. The first issue is that Facebook allows third parties way too much access to their users' information and then doesn't do enough to require them to lock that information down. So somehow this company that you've never heard of managed to get a, a half a billion <laughs> records on Facebook users 
with all sorts of data and not keep it secure. Second, uh, Amazon, who is a really big, one of their big things is they have this service called AWS, Amazon Web Services, uh, where you can rent or, well, yeah, it's rent server space, and it's either space or computing power or both, where you can store data on their servers in the cloud and not have to physically buy these servers yourself and maintain them. It, you know, it's a great service. It's really awesome. But unfortunately, and I, Amazon, I think, has been trying to crack down on this, but obviously they can't apparently enforce it because a lot of companies are still managing to have these instances of cloud servers wide open with no protections. And that's exactly what this company did. There was no protections on the server whatsoever. So while they were downloading all this different information from Facebook, which Facebook probably shouldn't have let them do in the first place, uh, they were storing it out on the public internet. And if anybody ran across this, it was there for the taking. Um, and it's so bad now, by the way, that the bad guys are looking for it. Um, they're going through all these Amazon web services looking for unprotected data because they know that a lot of people are screwing up. So, you know, what can you do about this as a consumer? Not much, because the way the laws are right now, you have no real control over what data is collected and who it's stored and who's, who's it shared with. Uh, hopefully we can fix that. But, you know, right now, unfortunately, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot you can do about this, except complain, uh, certainly complain to the government, complain to Facebook, uh, complain to Amazon uh, that this should not be happening. Um, you know, and if we ever get to the point where we can finally regulate some of this and have some real penalties uh, for these sorts of screw ups, you know, maybe we'll finally see this stuff getting locked down. All right. One more malware story before we get to our tip of the week, uh, and hopefully a little bright light at the end of the t <laughs> bright light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, this one's about Asus computers. That's A-S-U-S. Um, it's a computer manufacturing brand. They actually make lots of stuff and they make good stuff. From what I can tell, I've bought some of their products over the years as well. Um, however, uh, there's been a recent malware attack and it's really troubling because it's what we call a supply chain attack. And because our computers are, you know, we are slowly ratcheting up security and trying to make it harder to hack. Um, we have these mechanisms uh, to kind of protect these computers and protect what software gets loaded on these computers. In particular, one of the things we try to do is make sure that there's an automatic software update mechanism, uh, so that when bugs are found in software, we can automatically push those updates to updates out to these computers to make sure they're safe uh, and shorten the window uh, over which the vulnerable software is available and can be attacked by hackers. So, you know, that's all good. That's all, those are all good practices and good things. Um, but the bad guys know that. And so instead of, in some cases, trying to, after the fact, sneak past, you know, antivirus programs and other things, or try to get unauthorized software onto a computer, why not go to the source and have them install your malware for you. And that's what happened here. So let me, let me read this article from uh, Motherboard, and then we'll talk about it. Researchers at cybersecurity firm Kaspersky Lab say that Asus, one of the world's largest computer makers, was used to unwittingly install a malicious backdoor on thousands of its customers' computers last year after attackers compromised a server for the company's live software update tool. The malicious file was signed with legitimate Asus digital certificates to make it appear to be an authentic software update from the company, Kaspersky Lab says. Asus, a multi-billion dollar computer hardware company based in Taiwan that manufactures desktop computers, laptops, mobile phones, smart home systems, and other electronics, was pushing the back door to customers for at least five months last year before it was discovered, according to new research from the Moscow-based security firm. The researchers estimate half a million Windows 
machines received the malicious backdoor through the ASUS update server, although the attackers appear to only have been targeting 600 of those systems. The malware reached for targeted systems through their unique MAC addresses, and I'll explain this in a minute. Uh, once upon once on a system, if it found one of the targeted addresses, the malware reached out to the command and control server the attackers operated, which then installed additional malware on those machines. The issue highlights the growing threat from so-called supply chain attacks, where malicious software components get installed on systems as they're manufactured or assembled, or afterward via trusted vendor channels. Last year, the U.S. launched a supply chain task force to examine the issue after a number of supply chain attacks were uncovered in recent years. Although most attention on supply chain attacks focuses on the potential for malicious implants to be added to hardware or software during manufacturing, vendor software updates are an ideal way for attackers to deliver malware to systems after they're sold because customers trust vendor updates, especially if they're signed with the vendor's legitimate digital certificate. Okay, so a couple things to talk about. So these certificates we're talking about, uh, what happens with this software, and this is a great mechanism, is they use cryptography and encryption and special cool crypto tools to digitally sign the software. So you create the software, you sign that software, and then you deliver it to the computer, and the computer says, hey, I'm not going to install that unless I can verify that it was signed by the right person. So they have figured out a way to get into the system so that their malware is signed as legitimate by ASUS. So it's kind of like making a fake ID, but actually going, breaking into the DMV and using the DMV's actual, you know, system for creating one to create yourself a false license. And it's only false in the sense that the data is not right, but it's in every way a legitimate card. Um, so it's the same kind of thing. They've figured out a way to to work the system and kind of get in at the head end of the system so that their software is treated on the same level and the same level of uh, quality and assurance as true ASUS software. So the other weird thing about this is even though uh, they estimated uh, 500,000 Windows machines received this malicious software, it was set up to only target 600 machines. And it targeted those machines by the MAC address. And that MAC address, MAC, uh, is every, you know, every networking card in your computer, and that could be a wireless network card, or it could be a wired network card, has a MAC address. And that's how it kind of an announces its unique ID to the network. Um, it's a little bit different than an IP address. Uh, and it's fixed. It's it's a fixed number that never changes. And it, the first part of it is a manufacturing uh, identifier, and the last part is a unique serial number. So somehow, these bad guys figured out exactly what computers that they were trying to infect and the malware shipped with this list of 600 some devices and tried to get basically tried to get onto all asus devices and then when it got on the asus devices it says okay is this one of the ones i'm trying to target and if it was then it did further things so while hopefully even if you have an asus computer and even if you were targeted the chances of that your machine was one of those 600 MAC addresses is small. Uh, and if you go to Kaspersky Lab, uh, go to their website, and you uh, search on ASUS, um, you should be able to find, I think they've got a tool you can download, a short little um, program you can run that will test to see whether your computer is one of those 
uh, computers that requires this. Also, hopefully, now that we know about the software, um, antivirus software, including the, the one that comes with Windows, uh, which is the one I typically recommend, Windows Defender or Microsoft Security Essentials, uh, will eventually be able to suss out this particular malware and let you know that you have it. Because just because you're not one of those 600 doesn't mean that this software can't eventually change its mind and say, well, you know what, let's infect other people too. Let's let's do other bad things to the rest of these half a million people. So um, I, I would check that out for sure. Um, and if you have it, uh, you can use um, uh, you can use your antivirus program or something like Malwarebytes, which you can download and run uh, to see if you can find it and delete it. And of course, the broader takeaway here is that uh, supply chain attacks are basically impossible for you, the end user, to do anything about. Um, this is something that the companies need to tighten up on their own, and we just have to trust them to do it. But I, I guess the only takeaway I would would say here is that going with bigger more reputable companies, you have a better chance that they are going to lock this stuff down. Now, of course, Asus is a huge company uh, and they should have um, not let this happen. They're actually denied it originally, I think, when this story came out. So, you know, was it an insider? Uh, we don't, I don't think we know yet. Maybe we'll never know. Uh, but otherwise, <laughs> there's not a whole lot, unfortunately, as a consumer that you can do, except look for stories like this to come out and me to tell them to you and you to then take remediation to try to see if you can figure out if you're infected and remove it if if uh, if you are. All right, last up, and uh, this is our tip of the week. A little bit of uh, ray of hope, a little bit of something to put a smile on your face um, after all the bad news, and that is Cloudflare, uh, which is a company that has come on strong in the last uh, 10 years or so. I'm not sure how old they are, but they're not that old. Um, and they are helping many companies on the internet protect themselves from denial of service attacks. That's one of their one of the services they offer, and they've kind of inserted themselves as kind of a layer uh, in the internet. And uh, so far, from everything I've seen, they're very altruistic and they're there to do really good things. Um, uh, and obviously, they've got plenty of services that they charge for, and that is how they make their money. But for at a, and those are usually enterprise level things, so they kind of make their money kind of like Microsoft. Really, you know, they, they tend to make more of their money off of companies, and then. Um, charge less, or in some cases, charge nothing for things that they give away to regular old consumers like you and I. Um, so, you know, that's a case where if it's cheap or free, it's not necessarily a bad thing um, because they, they make their money in other ways. So anyway, let me, let me read a little bit of this article from Apple Insider. And of course, since it's Apple Insider, it's kind of Mac focused, but they've got this for both um, Android and iOS. So let me just read about this and then I'll talk about it a little bit more at the end. Following the launch of 1.1.1.1, Cloudflare's high-performance DNS, as well as the creation of a mobile app that enables iOS users to more easily make their mobile devices work through the service across both cellular and Wi-Fi connections, the firm believes it can improve connections through the service even more, especially for mobile users. While the current version of 1.1.1.1 does act as virtual private network for the purpose of using Cloudflare for DNS, the app does not actually function as a full-fledged VPN as only DNS queries are secured and optimized. Under Warp, the app does work as a VPN completely, affecting all the device's traffic by encrypting all unencrypted connections. As well as providing end-to-end -end encryption, the app also offers faster browsing by caching and compressing content automatically. The VPN is also said to be more resilient to changes in connectivity, namely from cellular to Wi-Fi or between Wi-Fi networks, or handling captive portals that typically exist in public Wi-Fi hotspots. While free VPNs are a sensitive topic for some people, I'm one of them, uh, such as those worried of ending up in a similar situation to Facebook and Google's data harvesting VPN apps, Google or Cloudflare insists 
Cloudflare insists the free service is different. The company claims it doesn't write user-identifiable log data to disk, never sells browsing data or allows advertising data to target users, does not require any user information to use the basic version of the service, and it regularly hires outside auditors to check privacy is being upheld. Along with the free version, a paid tier called Work Plus will also be made available for a low monthly fee. The premium version will take advantage of Cloudflare's virtual private backbone to offer even faster connections. Cloudflare is slowly rolling out Warp to potential users via the existing 1.1.1.1 app starting with starting within weeks, uh, where those interested have to sign up to the waitlist to gain access. It is a forecast that all of those on the waitlist will be able to use Warp by the end of July. All right, so there's a lot to kind of unpack there. So first of all, 1.1.1.1, that's an IP address. And it's obviously a very particular special IP address, and it's very easy to remember. Four ones, or they had, a, they had some kind of another clever name for it. And it actually, it was announced last year on April 1st. So four one, four ones. Uh, and in fact, a lot of people thought it was an April Fool's joke because of the day they decided to release it. Um, but I use it myself. I use it on my computers at home. Uh, and now I've actually downloaded If you want to be able to use this DNS, and DNS, if you remember, we've talked on the show, every time you want to go to Amazon.com, the first thing you got to do, or your computer has to do, or your phone has to do, is it doesn't know how to route your internet traffic to Amazon.com. Amazon.com is just a name. It needs an IP address. So it has to figure out, okay, Amazon.com, what, what's actually the IP address that I want to send this message to? And so you do that through DNS, domain name server. And so it queries DNS first. And it says, okay, who, what is Amazon.com really? Give me the IP address. And then the DNS says, oh, here you go. Here's the IP address. And then, then, then and only then, does your computer or your phone go to that IP address, which is Amazon's uh, address on the, on the Internet. Now, for privacy reasons, even though your, your communications with Amazon is encrypted, which means that all the data you're sending back and forth is encrypted, uh, all your DNS queries tend to go to your default DNS server. And if you're on, on a wireless network, that tends to be Verizon or AT&T. If you're at, uh, on your home network, it, it's you know it's Charter or Comcast or Time Warner or whatever, uh, which really means that they know every website you're going to go to and when you went there because you've asked them for their IP address. You've used their DNS service. So they launched this service called 1.1.1.1. Uh, I'm just going to call it 4.1s because that's hard to say. So they, they launched a service called 4.1s, and that allows you to go to Cloudflare to get your DNS. And, of course, now you're thinking, well, isn't Cloudflare just now? Don't they just know everywhere I'm going? Yes, they do. But unlike your ISPs, mobile or otherwise, they have committed to not saving any of that information. Uh, they're also using some really cool technologies to encrypt those queries. So even everybody along the way, which includes your ISP, can't see what you're asking for. So that's where we start on all this stuff. And I've set up uh, my, that you know, I've set my DNS to four ones on my on my computers already. Um, and I've talked about this on the show in the past. You might want to look up um, uh, my, I'll put this in the show notes. I've got a, um, an entry in my blog that talks about this and tells you how to set that up. So you can have uh, a lot more privacy in your web surfing. But you can also use this on your phone. And actually, I had not done this yet. So I did it yesterday. I downloaded the 4Ones app from uh, Cloudflare and I installed it on my iOS. And it acts kind of like a VPN. So you have to install it like a VPN on your phone, which means there's some special permissions you have to give it to install it as a VPN profile. And then it makes sure that all your DNS queries go to their service and not to your ISP. So that gives you some more privacy. So that's all the, that's the groundwork. So that's the, the first tip of the week is go grab that app, try it out. You can do it. It exists for both Android and for iOS, um, install it on your phone. And then it will, uh, it will help to 
it should actually make them faster as well. Cloudflare is a very fast service. Uh, so it should be a very fast lookup. It should make your internet traffic uh, go faster and it'll be a lot more private. Once you have the app installed, that's where Warp comes in. So Warp is a new service they're going to offer. It's a free VPN um, for your phone, uh, which is great. A lot of people don't have this. And I'm very anxious to see how well it works because VPNs can be flaky. Uh, and that can be kind of a pain to use. So I'm, I'm hoping Cloudflare does this right. Uh, but once you install the app and get it set up, there's a little button there you can press to get on the wait list. And so I would say, go ahead and do that. And you'll, you, you'll, you'll get notified uh, when Warp is available. And if you want, you can pay for the Warp Plus as well. I may do that myself, depending on what the fee is. Um, but I would trust this as a free one. If you just want to try the free one, I would trust it from Cloudflare. Um, but like I said, they're, they're business models to make money on enterprises in many other ways, and they're doing just fine. So this is a public service thing they're doing for us to, to give us very basic level VPN for free. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, maybe when it gets launched, maybe we can get uh, John Graham coming back on uh, to talk about it. All right, that's going to wrap up our show for the week. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, I will keep you up to date on all these things that are happening to the best of my ability and try to explain them in ways that make sense to you and give you something to do about it. Um, there are, you know, of course, there's plenty of other things happening. Many of them are too technical or they're very kind of specific to things that I don't think the average person knows or cares about. Um, if you really want to get to some of those things, you might check out my Twitter feed. Uh, you can find me at, at Firewall Dragons uh, on Twitter if you want to follow me there. Uh, and, you know, that tends to be more... Uh, up-to-date, urgent stuff, and a, more of the technical stuff. So if you really want to you know, go next level uh, and you don't mind being on Twitter, you know, whatever you want to say about Twitter, it's unfortunately where a lot of people are. It's one of the few social networks that I still participate in. Um, uh, you can find me there and you can get some information from me uh, directly that way in a much more timely manner. Otherwise, for the general, uh, general stuff that I think applies to a lot of the listeners out there, I will hold that for this show. And the newsletter, you can also sign up for the newsletter on uh, firewallsdon'tstopdragons.com uh, or just go to the blog itself. You can see that way you can sort of see back issues. My newsletters and blog usually go hand in hand. Um, so, uh, you can either choose to have it sent to you or you can come get it. Um, and if you, of course you sign up for the newsletter and you want to see the old stuff, uh, it's right there on the blog. You can kind of dig through the, the, the history there and find some of the older articles. And obviously if you want the whole enchilada, go get the book firewalls, don't stop dragons, uh, on amazon.com, or you can go to a press directly. If you'd like to get it from there, uh, 400 pages, 150 plus tips with pictures and steps and the whole bit, uh, we'll walk you through all these things that we talk about and help you bring up your general, uh, cybersecurity and privacy level way, way better, <laughs> way better than what most people's are. Uh, and it, it's really not as hard as you think. There's actually lots and lots of simple things you could do, many of them free, uh, to really crank up your security and privacy level. And, and you know, as I like to say on the show, it's a herd immunity thing. The more of us do these things, the better off we all are. So check all those things out. I appreciate it. Um, uh, we've got an interview coming up soon, hopefully next week. We're going to be talking about some phishing and other kinds of identity scams from a guy who wrote a book on it. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And, of course, regular other news and other interviews coming as well. Feel free to reach out to me at carry at wawaseemedia.com. If you have any suggestions, I'm always open to that. And uh, I think that'll do it. That'll do it for this week. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll talk to you again next week. And until then, everybody stay safe out there and don't get caught with your drawbridge down. Bye.